Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and investment for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt your investment for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a pain, click and I bang. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on an awesome guest with so many insights. He's a super successful dude. He's a good dude, and I can't wait for him to tell his story on here. And this is the one and only Justin Waller. Welcome to the show, bro. Zuby, man, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here, man, for sure. Glad to have you, man. It feels like it's long overdue. Justin, I'm sure that a lot of the listeners will know you, but a lot of them also may not. So please give a little intro to who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Justin Waller. I have a YouTube channel. It's Jay Waller. I got started in construction at 24. I started that business um, not really knowing what I was getting into in the beginning. We've now grown to over 162 employees. We're in 20 states. Um, things are going quite well. I do real estate and some other things here and there, but mostly construction and real estate. Awesome, man. So, and where are you from? Where did you grow up? I was born in a little town called Monroe, Louisiana. It was um, kind of like a small cotton farming, not a lot of industry there. My father was, um, he was a cotton farmer a little bit. He worked in the restaurant industry a little bit. He met my mother in Vicksburg, Tennessee, uh, excuse me, Vicksburg, Mississippi. And um, so I was born up in Monroe, but I grew up in a little town called Denham Springs, Louisiana, uh, just outside of Baton Rouge. It was uh, it was a really good place to grow up. I have no complaints, you know, really uh, wasn't 
maybe, you know, the best side of town. But overall, you know, I, I, I think that it was a good place to come up. And, uh, and so South Louisiana is where most of my growing up was done. Awesome, man. And tell me a little bit more about your growing up and your parents and your family, because I think oftentimes on podcasts and in conversations and on social media, you see where people are right now. But I think it's really interesting to do, go back and, you know, not just see the tip of the iceberg and see where people are right now, but understand yeah. really how they got there. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I'm actually the the biggest reason I'm so willing to share my youth is not so much because I think it's a pity party situation for me, but mostly because I feel like it's actually very common to grow up in a broken home where maybe there's a little bit of violence going on. There's a, you know, there's some things that um, are not ideal or not the picture perfect movie version of a family. Um, there was certainly um, a broken home going on. There was infertility going on. There was violence going on either with us directly or between the father and stepfather. There was violence with the mom. Uh, there were actually house fires. Okay, now that I'm listening off, it kind of was not, it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? But honestly, I don't personally think about it a whole lot. I don't feel like it affected me. I feel like I chose to let it affect me in the way I needed to, for me to do what I needed to do. So it gave me um, a view on the world that I feel like is, if not healthy, realistic in my ability to able to navigate through it. And so anytime I ever share these things with anyone, it's not in hopes that somebody uh, feels bad for me. That's probably the last thing I would want. In fact, I'd be embarrassed if that were to happen um, or if I were to come off that way. What I do think is really important is that if a young man or a young lady is going through something in their life and it's not ideal, maybe like the situation that I just named, um, that they know that they can get a lot of good out of it and benefit from it in a positive way. Mm. Did you um, always feel that way about it or is that something you had to learn? I can't say that I ever felt anger. Mm. I think that it was more of, of a heartbreak, if that makes sense. Like, why is this happening? Why do I feel like I'm in the middle of making certain decisions or why do I not want to go home? Or you see what I'm saying? Or why is this happening? Or why are they screaming? Why are they screaming at me? You know, why are they hitting each other? Why are they hitting? Why is this crazy lady hitting me? You know, like those types of things. And then I kind of went through like this progression of like seeing things like there would be things happen, like particularly to my as soon as I started to get into late junior high and I could start spending the night at other people's house. It was my little sister that I think took the brunt of. She's 18 months younger than me. And so, like, she would come to school and she might have, like, a little speck on her eye or something like that. And they'd be like, hey, what happened? And we're like, yo, yo, you know, we got to go home to this lady, you know. Um, and it, it was not very male-driven. It was mostly, you know, the mother. Um, I'll tell you, I'll never forget the, the day I knew that she would never touch me again. I was in high school as a sophomore. And you know how, like, when you get to your sophomore year and you're, like, playing football, did you play sports in school? 
I played, uh, yeah, I played a lot of sports. Rugby was yeah. my main sport because I was in boarding school in the UK at that time. So rugby nice. was the closest thing to American football. Nice, but you also hold the deadlifting record over there, right? Yeah, for sure. Yes, which I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> um, but I was lifting weights and, you know, I was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, at the time, probably 210 pounds. And I'd said something to her. I was brushing my teeth, and she said something crazy to me, and I said something back. And she went, and she drew her fist up at me, and her eyes would always get big. And she was a strong woman. A lot of my genetics came from her. And she read her fist back at me, and I looked down at her, and I asked her, I said, what the insert four-letter word are you really going to do? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget watching her, like, almost shrivel back you know what i'm saying and and i knew like bro she ain't hitting me no more but i but it didn't really cover my siblings right i was the oldest okay but man um i think that those things are unfortunately sometimes more common than than maybe people would want to believe and maybe maybe that was my experience and that it's not as common as i think i don't know i just um i don't know anything else Mm-hmm. you know, then that situation coming up. So, uh, for me, I feel like all you can really do is flip it to a positive. That's all you can really do with it. You know, okay, well, what in there can I take with me or what do I have with me today? What kind of grit do I have with me today because of that scenario or what did I see? Well, I saw one thing, but I was told another We're very clearly as an adult looking back, I can see the truth in the actions, you know? So for me, uh, I always say when, when I do mention childhood is that it was, um, it was a gift in many, many ways, you know? So can I ask what, what that, can I ask what that relationship is like now? Is that something that's been, yeah, man, uh, I'm an open book. Uh, no, it's not actually, um, none of the, none of the five of us that grew up in that house speak to her Mm. in any regard. Uh, that's in her siblings don't either. And my father certainly doesn't. And my stepfather doesn't to my knowledge. She can't help it, man. I think she's sick, bro. Yeah. I have no hate towards that. So anybody in that situation, including the stepdad, including her, anyone, you know, it's just, it is what it is, man. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your dad? Yeah, man. Good guy. You know, my dad, uh, do you keep a red pill at all? Like, you know, Rolo and everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the way I look at my dad is that he was a really, really good man, but he didn't have information. Mm. My dad was, um, you know, he was, he was doing the best he could with the information that he had. And, and I think that's probably the most important thing that I could say about my father. He did a lot of things that I wouldn't do. He put up with a lot of things that I would not put up with. However, he only had his upbringing in North Mississippi and Oxford. His, his father was a World War II tail gunner. He came home. He built a house with his bare hands. He bought a, as much land as he could. He started farming cotton. So my, my, my father you know, grew up working on the farm with him, with his brother. And he saw that marriage work and he saw Christianity work. They went to church every Sunday. He's a very God-fearing man, my father is. And uh, he did everything he knew to do that was correct with the information that he had. Mm -hmm. And for that, I can't place any blame upon him. I think he's a wonderful human being. In fact, I just got to take him to um, the Ole Miss game because of Cody Pruitt. Shout out to Cody Pruitt. Um, 
on the sideline. And, and I don't think he's been to, you know, he's been to some games, but he's never been on the sideline. So um, he was really excited about my, my father's a really good man, actually. That's Just good, man. Didn't have the information. Yeah, I hear that. Well, I, I think there's something beautiful as you get older and into your late 20s and 30s when you, you know, I think, number one, you understand your parents a lot better. I find that the older I get, the more I the more I understand and appreciate my parents. I've always appreciated them. Um, but I mean, when I think of it, I know that by the time my mom was my age, she'd already had all five of us. Right. So I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm yet to become, I'm yet to become a, a dad, right. I'll be a father, you know, in, in, in the future. But when I think of it, cause when you're a little kid, I don't know, even someone being 30 years old, you think oh, 30 years old, like, you know, everything you've got everything together. Yeah. You think that you think that oh, that's, that's a grown adult. And then you kind of get there and you realize, Oh, wow, actually by 35, like my mom had five kids and then she went and moved to, we grew up in Saudi Arabia, right? So my, my parents just left to a complete foreign country. My dad went out there first and my mom actually traveled with the five of us by herself, even just thinking of that. Like when I see parents in the airport and they've got even just like one or two kids and I'm just thinking my mom like went out with, with five of us, right? I'm, I'm a baby. And that, you know, between a, I don't know, a six month old and a 10 or 11 year old, and you've got five kids there and you're just traveling to a country you've never even been before. You're 30 something years old and you're just kind of taking this, this leap of faith and just so many of the lessons and, Things I didn't really understand as a kid, I'm finding the older I get, the more I can understand that. And I think there's also something really nice in the way that the dynamic shifts when you're able to do things for your parents and you're even able to not just receive advice from them, but you're able to give them advice and you're able to help them out. Because when you're a kid, it's kind of all one way, you know, it's all one way Absolutely. and you get a little bit older. And if you've got your life in order and you've got some interesting insights and experiences, then you actually find that just as much as you may go to your parents and ask them things or ask for advice, like they'll also be like, Hey, you know, like, what do you, what do you think on this? I want to get your take. And I think there's something very cool about that. You know what I think is really cool about what you just said is that, bro, your mother doing that is such a huge achievement. Yeah. You know, like worthy of going on a podcast. I feel like I feel so bad for girls, particularly in our generation, man, like, your mom is going to have grandchildren or if she doesn't already. Oh, she's got nine. Yeah, dude. Think about that. Think about like Thanksgiving and everybody coming there and like that. Andrew was talking about this the other day. It's like, he's talking about his grandmother and there was like 70 people at, at Thanksgiving or some event they have for the family because of that one woman, your mom, it, it, even if none of you had children, man, there's five of you. And I'm sure like, obviously you're very successful, bro. Just you alone would be enough for her to be like super, super proud of what she did in her life. It's absolutely amazing, man, that, that we don't put mothers up on a higher pedestal. You know what I'm saying? Like I, clearly, I mean, I, I'm assuming she was a good mother. Um, Still yeah. Same. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I mean, she's a hero for that. So I think that's super, super cool, man. Super cool. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, man. And in that line of thinking, another thing that I've been considering recently, and I think this is perhaps an, an error or an oversight, I think a lot of young people make, particularly in modern Western society, is I think that most people or a significant number of people only think about the first half of their life, 
right? I think most people I agree. Think, yeah, I think most people think of life up until about 40, maybe 45, right? I think most teenagers, people in their 20s, people, they think of the first half of life and they don't think, okay, actually between, say between 45 and 95, what am I going to, what am I going to do? What's going to bring me joy? What are the things that I should maybe consider doing prior to that time in order to make sure that, you know, because people are so career focused and material yeah. focused and it's so inward that I, I think a lot of people don't genuinely consider, okay, okay, I want to do all this. And then actually when I'm like 50 plus, when I'm in my 50s, my 60s, my 70s, my 80s, my 90s, what is it that's going to bring me joy? And being someone who's from a, who's from a large family, uh, you know, my immediate family is, is seven. Um, but then wider than that, my, my dad's one of 11. My mom is one of six or seven. I've got 50 something first cousins. Lord knows how many. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, what, that, 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 though, bro. yeah. So, I mean, what you were talking about before, even regarding my mom, I think like, if I think of my, my grandmas, like they have that whole yeah. tree, you know, they've got that whole tree of people underneath them. And both, both my, all, all my grandparents have passed away now. And, you know, my parents are now in their sixties and seventies, but when I look at their life and I see what brings them, what brings them joy in that latter half of their life, it's, it's all children, family, grandchildren, that whole dynamic. I'm just like, wow. Okay. This is why stuff is so important because sometimes I hear, I'm hearing people talk about various things when they're in their twenties and their thirties. And again, they're just thinking up until that short time, right? They're not thinking, okay, yeah. well, you know, we live in this age where people are, ah, you know, uh, what's the point of having kids, right? Oh, what's the, what's the, what's the point of that? What's the, what's the point of that? It's, it costs money. It's this, it's this. And I can totally get where that perspective comes from. And maybe I've even had little glimpses at times where I've, I've kind of felt that perspective. And then I realize, oh, actually, what about, what about that second half of life? Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. I think a lot of times people think short-sightedly. Even down to the simplest things like getting just outrageous amounts of tattoos or they, I just don't think that they're seeing into the future very much. Uh, one thing that's really important for me is I like build my business is that I make sure that I put a good portion of that money into something that makes sure that I never have to work again mm -hmm. and that any children of mine to some degree are able to see how to, you know, build some wealth. I don't know that I've completely made my mind up on how I would distribute it or whether I would just teach them. And hopefully, you know, I think I want to teach them and educate them on how to do things. And if they want to jump on it and start doing it, I'll help them to the best, but I want them to have choice in their life. And at some point, I think you're, I think you're hundred percent right. Like what else could you do in your life other than give back to people that you care for and you love, mm. you know? So the question is, Zuby, when are you going to have some kids, bro? In the next couple of years, for sure. Yeah, for you sure. got a target. I've, I've, I've said many times I want to have at least five. Come on, bro, you got to get with, with, with one with one woman woman. By the way, because sometimes people uh, question that. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, <laughs> it, that's it, it will happen. Right? I mean, w one thing with me as well is because of the career path I've taken. I think a lot of people don't realize it's only in the last couple of years where I've been past kind of just breaking even. I mean, I went full time with my music in 2011. And from 2011 to 2018, to be honest, you know, I was able to keep myself, I was able to keep myself afloat and I was making enough to take care of myself, but I didn't really have like any excess or surplus. It's only in the last couple of years where it's things have really 
started to grow a lot more and I've started to do a lot more where I've, I even feel at a position where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm in a good position financially and I'm on, I'm on a good trajectory. I'm not just keeping my head above water anymore. So as a man, I know people have different ideas and philosophies on this. You know, there's the, some people get married, you know, super, super duper early fall in love. I think, and I think that that's beautiful. I actually would say that's the ideal if you meet that person that early. But then I think as a man, generally speaking, you want to get yourself in a position in terms of your finances and career where you at least feel like you have some sense of abundance or surplus and security before you really feel comfortable bringing other people into the picture. I completely agree with that. I think that I think that if you're not going to start, you know, it's it's hard for me to say that anybody should get young early. I understand the beautiful part of that. You mean get um, married? early yeah 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 somebody getting married early um i can see the beautiful part of that and i can see the part of me even that wants to pull for that Mm -hmm. the realistic side of me kind of sides with where you are in regards to being able to take care of the children Mm -hmm. and like really getting yourself to that point as an individual um because i think that it'll be a substantially smoother ride once once the children arrive so um I agree with you fully on that. Like sometimes if you're not going to do the true love fairy tale thing in the very beginning, mm-hmm. maybe waiting, being smart about it until you have something to really offer the children is, is probably what I would shoot for, especially yeah. if I were a young man thinking about having kids or not. Yeah, absolutely. And offer to a woman as well. And even to, you know, let's be, let's be honest. I mean, we live in this time where people want to act and pretend like, men and women are identical, which we know that they're not. And even to become, you know, most men are not going to really become any, are not going to become men who would be great husbands or fathers or teachers or anything until you're in your late twenties to early to mid thirties, realistically. I mean, what at, at 22, you know, the difference between yourself, I'm sure, at 22 versus 32, right? You probably don't look all that different, right? But yeah. in terms of that 10-year that difference of real-world experience and knowledge and ability to build up some capital and wealth, not even just financially. I'm also talking about knowledge. I'm talking about your body. I'm talking about your skill set, everything that you now have to offer the world to the point where you can be going on podcasts and you can be going on YouTube and you can be giving advice that is valuable to people, whether they're in their teens, their twenties, their thirties, their forties, people older than you, people younger than you. I doubt you would have been able to really do that at 22. I know I couldn't have done that at 22. No, um, I couldn't even have done it at 26 or 27. Same. I'm in my mid, yeah. But now I'm in Same, my thirties. I'm like, okay, cool. Like it's all coming together and you just become a better man. Absolutely. I, I think that there's so much more to the development of an individual than just their bank account. Yes. I think that going through things, getting hurt, getting dinged, learning from it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value to that. I think that if you've been through enough things, it can also give you kind of a stoic patience. Mm. That's really necessary. Um, by the way, I think that you have it more, more than most. Um, and I, and I have to say that it's probably due to, going through things in actual real life, man, I wanted to have a YouTube at 27. 
Mm-hmm. I just had that little voice inside of me that said, shut up. You're, you need to get to work. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, uh, I wanted, I've always wanted to like be out there and, and doing bigger things and, and kind of creating a name and, and doing all those things. But I just, I, until I was to a certain place, I just didn't feel like I was qualified. And I think that anything for me, it would have been anything short of what my expectations were of myself in order to speak on the internet. Mm-hmm. I would have felt like I was a liar or, or um, disingenuous. Yes. And uh, for that reason, I, I, I didn't, I didn't. And I'm actually super proud of that. Now that I, now that I'm like talking through it with you, I'm super proud that I didn't get on the internet and start, you know, maybe portraying something that wasn't real mm. because it makes it completely easy to get on the internet now and, and speak truth, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that people do need to go through plenty of things in life, the ups and downs and able to kind of get a poise about themselves, especially if they're going to lead a family. Because you look at it as, oh, husband, no, leader. If if you're going to get married or if you're going to pick a girl and take care of her and have children, you're, you're now a leader, not just a husband. A husband is just a dude that comes home, pops open a beer, watches a game. I, I feel like you need to be ready to be a leader because if you're not ready to be a leader, then she's probably going to leave you anyway. And you, then your kids are going to not respect you. So it's just it's a lot to think about. But I do think that. uh I do think that most, most all the men, if they put that work in, could be in a position to lead a family yeah. if they so choose. And, yeah. And I think it, it goes so much wider than family as well. Family is, of course, the, the core and the foundational building block of a society, I'd say. But it's also just being able to lead people in general, lead men and women, especially in this age of influence with the Internet and with social media podcasting, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff. I mean, you know, shout out to the young people who are, whether they're teens or in their early 20s or whatever, who are blowing up and who are doing really well on those platforms. But when you watch and when you listen to them, you can still tell, like, this is a teenager. This is a guy in his early 20s, right? You might have a lot of followers, but you don't really know what you're talking about. You don't have, you've got a level of confidence, but it's not coming from true experience or competence. When I talk to someone like yourself, even if, you know, the first time I met you, right? The first time, first time you've been meeting you, I was like, you can tell there's a level of confidence and self-assuredness. And one could maybe say stoicism that you can't fake. It just comes from having a true level of competence. You're not, you're not faking anything. You don't need to, you don't need to show off. You're not trying to act up or anyway. It's just like, yeah, I know who I am. I know what I've been through. I know my capabilities. I know what I'm able to do. And therefore, I'm confident. I'm not confident because I read a book teaching me how to be or because I just learned yeah. about body language. It's just like, I am this way because this is really who I am and what I am. And I think that that, I think that, that comes through. There's no overcompensating. There's no playing up. It's just like, look, this is who I am. Yeah, man, I feel like you have to be that way Um, because I feel like people can see it. It, Well, some people can't see it, but anybody that's been around a little while can see it. Mm -hmm. And and so thank you. And and secondly, I I couldn't agree with you more. I've met some young guys have done very, very well for themselves, um, mostly in crypto. 
mm-hmm. but you can feel that they're a bit brittle or that they're, they, they, the bubble that they achieved or what they achieved could be popped if things go the wrong way. Um, and so I, I very much resonate with what you said because, because of being in this space, I've met, met enough people where you can kind of feel it coming off of them, whether it, it took them a while or whether they've been through some things or whether they're really, really solid as an individual. And it's not a diss on them. No. In fact, in a lot of ways, I feel bad for the guys that got a really big, either a platform or caught a, ran into a bunch of money before it was time. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of breaks them in a way. That gets it, it. It it throws the whole equilibrium of how it should ha- how they should come up off. And I don't I don't even particularly think it's their fault because if you'd have told me at twenty two I could hit a crypto pump and be worth ten m, I would have took it, bro. Of course, I would have absolutely took it, and I would have been in their shoes. And I'm like, okay, well now what? Mm-hmm. Act like act like a big boss. You know, like, how do I get like, you know, it's 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 a tough position to be in. Um, It is. I will tell you that I think I've said this before. I might have said this last week, but I really believe this is the best way to do it for like guys in our position when we're in this space. I judge whether I want to be friends with an individual based off of whether I'd be friends with him without his platform. Mm. So if I meet somebody and they have a million followers on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. Cool. But after interacting with them, I asked myself, okay, if they did not have this platform, would you be friends with them back in Louisiana, back home, you know, in real life? Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. However, that is how I judge it. And it doesn't it doesn't mean I have a problem with them if they're 22 and they're super if they're if I can tell they're humble and they kind of know you know, um, then I don't have a huge, huge issue with it. I'm like, Hey man, you know, we live in different times. You took advantage of it. Who am I to be upset with you that you hit a crypto pump? I'm not. That's, that's core. Or, Hey, you know, you might've grown up with YouTube in junior high and you started a channel and now you're huge. As long as you're a good guy, you know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, you, they, you took advantage of what was there. So I, ne- I would never take that away from the younger guys. But for any individual, I'm always gauging whether I'd be friends with them if they did not have said platform. I think that's for me, it's been the healthiest way to identify, you know, who I'll talk with, you know, outside of the, the camera or the YouTube. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's actually a, a fantastic heuristic. I think another one is to think about. I think number one, if it would be, I, I think also, it's the best way to put this. I think it's imp- one of the important things about things taking time and not having that level of success or quick money very early on is also your building. I often think, is this replicable, right? Is it yeah. replicable, right? Is it replicable, right? If someone who caught one of those pumps, for example, that's a great example because if if they went to zero, could they make that ten million again? Right? I mean, if it's very like fair. Just, yeah, and if it's like, well, you just got lucky that one time you you were in the right place at the right time, and yeah, you know, you 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 placed you placed the bet. But I feel like someone like yourself, right? You could go back to zero, and yeah. you've built yourself 
as, as a, as a, your own personality, your confidence, your self-assuredness, your actual skill set. I think, you know, you could theoretically go broke and get, get back up within a certain amount of time. Cause you're, you're the real deal. And I think that's where that deeper confidence comes from. I think that when people start acting, a acting weirdly or placing all their personality and identity into, I don't know, their follower count on this thing or being an influencer yeah. on that, right? It, it's because I, yeah. I don't think it's, it's not true confidence. It's like, you know, I think deep down that you sort of shortcutted it. I don't want to say you got yeah. lucky because I don't want to put anyone's success down to luck, but it, it's just a different level. I don't know the perfect way to, to, to word it, but I, I don't think it's the same level of confidence and it's not the same true type of replicable success where you have really, really built yourself up as a man or as a woman in a solid way and really developed the skill set and developed like a bulletproof confidence that you know, okay, this could be taken from me and I'll still be all right. I could get, I could get deplatformed. I could get right. canceled. I could, whatever happens yeah. and I'm not going to go off and you know, have suicidal ideation or anything, or, you know, no. be I'm not going to be, I'm not going to just become a loser overnight. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That happened, but I can come back from this. Yeah, dude, that's so true. And a part of me, I hate to say this, and I wouldn't want to put bad juju in my atmosphere, but part <laughs> of me almost craves it. You know what I'm saying? You, you're like, do you remember when like, maybe you were doing your music and you were coming up and you had all these big dreams and goals of like where you could go and where it could be Mr. King of Twitter you know, <laughs> big boss on Twitter. I'm going to grow up one day and be like you on Twitter, by the way. Um, and so like, I remember having like all these goals and dreams. And if I learn this and I'll be able to figure this out and now, and now it's to the point where, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not late, but like, it's not as hard. So the challenge is not as there. It's like, okay, cool building. What's the square footage of the building? What kind of panels? Boom, 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 boom. Like I got, I got a lot of the answers now. You know, and a lot of a lot of the fun is always in climbing. And that's why I'm always talking about, you know, find a bigger mountain to climb, find a bigger mountain to climb. But I'll tell you, if I were a young man and I wanted to test myself on whether I thought I had done those things in order to be confident yet, I often say you could strip me down butt naked, drop me in any city in America and I'd be hanging steel in six weeks. Mm. And if you're a young man and you're not sure of whether it's, a little bit of a shortcut, like you said, are you've really built confidence? Ask yourself that question. Could you strip everything from me, drop me in some podunk town in some flyover state and somewhere in middle America? Could I rebuild this in six to eight weeks? And if the answer is yes, then you're probably good to go uh, in some regard. I mean, there's always development. I'm, I'm never going to be done developing. I'm sure you would agree that for yourself. I mean, you're never done, but in a lot of ways to figure out whether you hit it one time or it's repeatable asking that asking that question is something that i would do yeah. for sure when did you first feel like you were successful bro you know what's weird about it i keep moving the goalpost. <laughs> like i feel like i'm successful ish and then then i you know level up and get new friends i'm like Okay, I ain't that real. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. And then you're like, and then, and then like you're like self-reflecting. You're like, okay, well now I have money. 
okay, cool. But is money really success? You know, so like you start having all these, when did, but to answer your question, I can look at it retrospectively and I feel like there's kind of phases maybe. Mm. One huge check mark, and this is really small by the way, I don't think this is a big ordeal, but one major checkpoint for me is when I stopped looking at my bank balance to swipe my card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's a very, like in the very beginning, like if you can get to that, I think that's a huge deal. Um, another big plateau is, you know, seven figures uh, in the bank. I think that's a big one. I think there's multiple steps. Like when you can travel, when you have true freedom, I think is, is one. Like, so when you don't, when somebody calls you and they're like, Hey, this is going on in Los Angeles this week. And I'd love for you to come. And you don't even really think twice yeah. and you can just up and go mm-hmm. um, that level of freedom, knowing that your staff is in place um, is a big one. And I say, I would say for me, when I knew, man, there's so many things. One, uh, there was this one time I was actually in this house. I'm in my house in Baton Rouge and um I was putting on um, dress shoes and slacks. I, I, I had a meeting at the bank for my line of credit and I was putting on dress shoes and I looked out and the bamboo is behind me in the pool um, from at the front foyer there. I'm like, man, this is a long way from the trailer park in Denham Springs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just, I'm just like 10, 20 miles away, but it wasn't about the physical distance. It was about, like me, you know, where I was, what I had learned, what I was capable of understanding. You know, I didn't know the banks gave business lines of credit or I didn't know you had to bring them, you know, your work in progress report or contracts and they would loan you money. Like I didn't know these things. So just where I was as an individual was completely different than where I was, let's say 20 miles down the road in, in Denham. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that day was probably a pretty big, big step for me. And I really wasn't even super balling yet. You know, yeah. this was probably like, I don't know, this was a ways back. Mm-hmm. But what about and you? you? And and now you own trailer parks, right? You've got, you've I do. I do. Yeah, I actually just bought one in, in Ohio. Okay. 21 units might even be able to go to 34. We'll see. Got to go talk to the city. But, um, yeah, just uh, inked that this weekend, bro. And it was snowing out there, man. It was so cold. But I had a, <laughs> I had a great time. And then I hopped down to Kentucky and spoke at a War Room event. But uh, yeah, man, uh, full circle, owning one. So That's awesome, man. No, it's it's yeah. inspiring, man. I love... It, it, it's interesting because there's two real different responses to success and success stories. And I've always been someone... Thankfully, and I think this has served me very well in life. I love other people's success. I love hearing other people's success stories. I love being inspired. I like being around people who are doing and achieving wonderful and aspirational things. And to me, there's so much motivation in that. And especially in this day and age of social media, where you can really see everybody's opinions and feedback and and all that, I find it so odd this mentality the, the hater mentality the, the mentality that people have when they see someone doing well or having some success big success small success 
and their immediate reaction is to feel some type of anger or jealousy or envy or try to try to play down that person's success. And, and sadly, it's mostly men I see doing this as well. It's mostly men I see doing this. Of course. And yeah, and I, I understand it psychologically, but I think it's such a it's such a shame because I think your your basic response to something like that, your response to someone else's success, to me that that very much tells me the trajectory that you're going to be on. You know, when you meet someone and maybe they're not yet successful per se. Yeah, but it's but all over know, them. Yeah, but you know that they're going to be right. You, yeah. you know that they will be just because they have the, the, exactly their mindset, their approach. And then there's other people, you know, they could be the same age. They could be at the same place right then. And just their mindset and their approach. I'm like, man, if you keep if you have that mindset, not only will you not be successful, but you're going to just be angry and resentful. People aren't going to want to hang out with you. You're not going to be attractive. You know, you're you're oppressing yourself basically with your own mindset. Yeah. Bro, it's so crazy you say that. And it's so crazy you say that being that I wrote this down for Twitter and you're my Twitter mentor. But let me share this. <laughs> I wrote this for Twitter. I, I said this last night. Um, if you can't get happy for someone's successes, you've likely given up on hope that it could happen to you. Bars. And I, yeah, but it's so true because if, if there's a person that's upset with someone for winning, then imagine what would happen if, if they found out, Hey, this person's winning today, but you're guaranteed to win tomorrow. Mm. They would be happy for that person today. They'd be like, freak. Yeah. High five, you know? And, um, <laughs> and, and so for me, I feel like that people that don't get happy for other people that are winning have given up hope that they're going to, mm. you know what I mean? Like they, Absolutely. they no longer believe that they're going to win and they think the game is rigged somehow, or they think that somebody had to do something unethical or unkind or trick someone like, you know, rich people are bad. Some of the best people I know, mostly the best people I know have done well financially. Yep. And it's just this old fairy tale that people with money, like Scrooge and all these other things, don't be guilty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All that's really telling is a bunch of kids, like, don't make any money. Don't try hard. Go to college and do your job and be broke, you know, because rich people aren't good people. Man, mm. it's just not true. It's you not know true. what, Justin? I, I, it's so interesting you bring that up because uh, let me let me know your let me think out loud on this one. Cool. I think that a lot of the beliefs that a lot of adults have, I think that they are shaped more by stories and childhood stories and media more than yeah. people, more than people realize, right? The, the caricature of rich people being mean and greedy and a-holes and selfish and not caring. That's a caricature. Here's another big one. How about the idea that you can't be buff and smart? Right. Yeah, bro, that's that, a big right? one. Right. Right. That if you're jacked, that if you're jacked, you're somehow you're dumb. Uh, yeah, you're dumb. You're not. I'm educated wearing a Johnny Bravo outfit right now. <laughs> hey, hey there, mama. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, by the way. Yeah, you got it. You got to wrap it. By the way, that was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. But I think that those things really get in people's in people's heads more than we realize, right? Like sometimes yeah. I'll be talking about going to the gym, getting vaccinated, you know, the importance of training. And so on. <laughs> <Getting> and, <jacked. laughs> 
and someone someone will come. Bro, I've never heard that. Oh yeah, that that that's my phrase. That's my phrase. All right, cool, cool. All yeah. right, you work out to protect me. I work out to protect you. Awesome, um, bro. I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, putting that uh, hashtag Jacksonated. I'm gonna tag I'll you. Do it. Give me <laughs> your address. We'll we'll send you a T-shirt. I've got T-shirts. That I love that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that really. <laughs> I think it really plays in people's heads. I think that people genuinely think that you can't be you can't be buff and smart or you can't be rich and have a good character or you you know yeah. people th there are trade-offs in life but when it comes to personality and when it comes to that kind of I'm like those don't exist it's not a video game it's not an RPG where okay create your character you got 50 points if you put that many points into charisma you yeah. lose points in strength if you put them in yeah. strength you lose points in intelligence it's like no you can max out you can max out all your stats yeah it's so true, man. It's so absolutely true. Um, you know, it's almost like news for children. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like where they put these messages in, you know, about because if even if you look back at like fairy tales and things like that, like a lot of um, let's say women, their whole life, they've seen a prince show up on a horse, tall, handsome, wealthy and he saves a day and he takes her off in, into into you know a fairy tale dream and i don't think reality is actually like that you know there's been a lot of things uh i wish they would you know i wish they would bring back the the masculine male in some in some of the uh in some of the children's stuff do you remember like watching gi joes and stuff man i do man i loved it that, it was the coolest no, 90s cartoons 90s action-oriented cartoons yeah lit we're, we're, we're lit man the, yeah, the lit, intros bro. the intros yeah. to the it, they, they were lit right there was no there was no woke nonsense it was yeah. just you know you watched that as a young boy and you did want to be like hey i want to i want to get i remember i was like man i want to get a six-pack so that you can see it through my shirt I want the Cyclops yeah. Wolverine six pack. And no one was like, oh, that's that's toxic. That's an unrealistic body image, whatever. Guys would just right. say that and, you know, start hitting the gym in your teens. Um, whereas mm -hmm. now I think it, it, now they're like, oh, no, no, we can't we can't promote that. We can't. But that that's harmful. That's toxic. That's dangerous. Yeah. And so on. Or it and hurts like, people's feelings. Yeah. And if you watch the cart, a lot of the cartoons now, even I mean, I don't when I when I do see them, I'm like, this is so this is this is quite telling. It's very different. It's very I'm different. almost scared to watch. Yeah, like the the male characters are all like either either they're like masculine and evil, or they're just like weak and simpy and pathetic and very feminine. But they're like nice, right? Like there's not that there aren't those characters that you used to get where it's like cool, like traditionally masculine and intelligent. And Jack, yeah. and a leader, and everything from Ninja mm -hmm. Turtles to Transformers to like there were there were tons. Bro, of them, man. I mess with Ninja <laughs> Turtles so hard, bro. <laughs> you don't even know, bro. I was so hardcore about Ninja Turtles, man. Man, I miss it. I, I feel like I do feel like we we're very lucky. To, I'm an '80s baby, mm -hmm. but I feel like I was very lucky to grow up. You know, in the '90s, the music was lit. Um you could still have, you could still like look up to superheroes. You, um, we didn't have social media in high school. I, in fact, I didn't get Facebook until I was, a, I was, I, I'll never forget. I was in the soccer girls dorm my freshman year 
And this girl I was seeing uh, made me a Facebook. And I was a freshman in college. And that means no, like junior high, high school, none of that. There was no social media. If you had a crush on a girl, man, you had to slip her a yes or no note. And I, I think it was the purest way. But, um, you know, with each generation comes a new set of opportunities and a new set of problems. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that one thing I try not to do is be that guy that talks about the generation right behind me in a negative way. I just identify the fact that they have a new set of opportunities and with that, a new set of problems, just like we did. And the generation talked about us, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I can't imagine being in junior high and there being TikTok. Yeah. you know, that's not real to me, but for them in the course of, let's say a short period of time, their whole life is on social media to my understanding, you know? And I think that's why, like, it makes it easier for me. Like, if I were to lose my social media, I'd still be who I am. And I don't think it would be as detrimental. Like, it would, it might would cost me some money, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't cost me who I am. It wouldn't cost me my, my identity. Yes. And I think a sad part of that opportunity that they have is their identity is tied to it. And I'll tell you, especially I feel bad for little girls. Yes. And the reason I feel bad for little girls is because we're teaching little girls that, you know, your worth as a person has something to do with your follower account. And in many cases, your follower account has something to do with the amount of skin that you show on social media. And I don't, I don't think there's much more of a sad result of social media than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's past unhealthy and it's past unfortunate. I don't see it stopping. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult. Uh, it, it's difficult. I, I don't think people, I think people always forget about how new it is. The combination of smartphones and social media as we know it has only been ubiquitous for about 15 years. About 15 years. The first iPhone was made in 2006. And most people didn't get the first iPhone. It wasn't until about 2008, 2009 that most people had smartphones and broadband internet and mobile service and were on some social media. We're talking less than 15 years. And that's... That's a really important shift because if you think about it, Justin, I don't know how much you've considered this, but we are the last generation that remembers that existed before it, right? Yeah. Gen Z and all the generations from now on, broadband, internet, smartphones, social media, that that's existed their entire, the, the whole time that they've been conscious, alive on this earth, that's existed and will always exist. If you're in your early to mid thirties, you're really, maybe late twenties, you're really in the last generation where we, we've had both, right? We're not, we're not boomers who all the internet and social media stuff is weird to us, right? We're very much digital natives in a way, but we can also remember, Hey, when we were in school, even when we were early in university, this was not, this was not a thing. So we've, we've, we've got both. And I actually think that's that's a huge advantage. And I think there's something quite scary. If I talk to someone who's say 20 or even someone who's 25, which doesn't seem like it's such a big gap because of that decade in ter- of, of the technology, their experience has actually been very different. And there's things I'll be, they, they just won't be able to relate to. And, and, and we will struggle to relate to the other way around. I absolutely agree with you. Robert Greene has a book called The Laws of Human Nature, and I talk about this every now and then, but 
he says that there's something called a zeitgeist, which is basically like a 10 to 15 year, you know, area where people kind of have the same morals and values. People kind of like the same, have the same traditions or religious beliefs or um, like it, like in regions um, kind of like the same architecture, music, things like that. And right in the middle of ours, boom, this thing happens and it explodes, you know, right in the middle of ours, which I think is really, really interesting because for me, another reason I didn't go online is because I was definitely, definitely afraid of people thinking that I was pretentious or arrogant or, you know, I came from a place where it's like, talk with your pads, boy, you know, not with your mouth, you know, when it came to football or like, you know, being proud is, is being arrogant and boastful or, you know, just speaking up or being seen was this thing that was kind of taboo in a lot of ways. And kind of like, um, I guess in the deep South, it was not very, uh, maybe Christ-like may, might be the best way to say it. Like there was a lot, it was kind of a suppressive, um, place growing up in the South down here in the Bible belt and, and social media was like, I was looking at it and I was like, you know, I'd really like to do that, but I, I had these internal like suppressions on me around it. And, um, it just finally got to the point where it was like, you know, if I, if it's costing me not to speak up with either life experience or business experience or, or whatever, something I always want to do. So I had to really get over that. But, um, it's interesting because I feel like being born when I was born, and growing up in the 90s and then this shift happening where if you're not seen, then you can't really get paid the same way. Mm -hmm. um, it was like these two opposing things arguing, you know, for me, where for them, it's only going to be natural to promote everything they do on social media, mm -hmm. where it felt very unnatural for me. I don't know if you experienced that at all, but uh, for me, it felt very unnatural to do social media at all. Or at least in a way that would promote me in, in regards to business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I understand that. I mean, with, with social media, because I've been doing music for a long time now, I got on board with a lot of it early, right? I remember when I had nice. 30,000, I had 30,000 friends on MySpace back in like 2006. Did you? Bro, they should yeah. bring that back, bro. Yeah, I was I was I was kind of popping on MySpace, man. I was often, Were you? Top, <laughs> yeah, I was often in the top, top 20 artists in the UK. Um, That's amazing. And then, yeah, I've been on Facebook since like 2004. And yeah, so I've, I've really seen these things change and evolve. And I, I don't know how much you know about my own story, but I mean, from 2006 to 2018, the way most people who knew me knew me was because I was always out in the street in the UK promoting and selling my CDs, right? I was always doing, I was doing the street hustle with it. I sold yeah. over 30,000 30, albums um, hand to hand right? Like out of my own two hands, I've spoken to over half a million people in real life, traveled to pretty much every single city in the UK. And I used to just be out there on the street, talking to people, selling my CDs day in, day out. And then eventually I moved into doing it in shopping malls from 2014 to 2018. My primary income was doing pop-up shops in malls. So just being out there on my feet nice. all day, direct sales, talking to people. And from that, you, I, I learned so much. I learned a ridiculous amount just about people, uh, let alone about marketing and communication and stuff like that. That was really the trenches for me. 
And something interesting in relation to what we were just talking about is I also saw a shift in the way young people would communicate and talk to me. So when I first started selling my CDs on the street in 2006, this yeah. is back when like CDs were really popping. This is before streaming, yeah. even before downloads and so on. Um, you know, I was talking to teenagers all the time. I mean, I, I was I was a teenager at the time, talking to teenagers, people in their early 20s primarily, and people had much better social skills in person, right? And then yeah. even by the time I was doing that in 2017 or 2018, especially when I was talking to teenagers, I was like, they don't know how to maintain eye contact. Like yeah. they're afraid. I, I would meet people who were afraid, lots of them. I could tell they were afraid of the human to human connection. They're used to just being on their phones behind the thing. Sometimes they'd even be like, oh, like, can I just look you up on, on the internet? I could, I was like, yeah, but I'm standing in front of you. Right. right. And a lot of them would prefer to go away and, and look me up on YouTube or on Instagram yeah. Yeah. and to talk to me in person. And I'm like, yo, I'm the, I'm the artist. I'm the guy on the CD. You don't want right. to like have this little kind. And they're like, no, you know, they're very yeah. kind of skittish. And I yeah. saw that shift over the decade. Cause when I used to meet young people, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I, I completely believe you in every way. And I think that is probably, you know, how I was talking about that there are, opportunities that come with cost as every generation comes through. And I think the opportunity is, is that they can blast their message or, or their identity or what they want to show to the world on a macro. But when it comes to the micro, it costs them because they can't walk up and have a conversation with you or with a girl in that same mall and say, Hey, I like your music or Hey, I like your hair. I think you're pretty, you know what I'm saying? Let me buy this CD. Let me get your number. They struggle in that area. Yeah. But unfortunately, the real world is in person. Uh, mostly. I do think that some people live in this, maybe this creator bubble where they don't have to deal with people in person very often. But I think most people do. And I do think that's one of the disadvantages of being born with a cell phone in your hand. Yeah. You know, what do you think? Good is old the, days. Yeah, maybe we've touched on this already, but. What do you think, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing young men and young women in the world today? Say the typical 18 or 20 year old, that could be two answers. It could be the same answer for both men and women, or it could be yeah. one answer for men and one for women. What do you think? I think it's expectation on both sides. Um, on the micro for the men, I feel like society has told men that if they aren't an internet millionaire living on the beach somewhere, that they failed, mm. uh, which is not true. Without people that build this country, that go to work every day, this world doesn't go. Without the guys that hooked up the internet to this house, that wired this house, we wouldn't be able to be talking. I'd have no electricity. Mm -hmm. um, for the women, it's actually kind of the same thing. It's the expectation that they're going to find some millionaire CEO um, that's going to take her on some journey to travel the world. And she's just going to have this amazing life where Prince Charming is going to come along. And I think that expectation in reality is most oftentimes there's a huge gap there. And I think that the formula to happiness is the gap between expectation and reality. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think social media has 
inflated that reality for most people for that reason. I think that there's a bit of unhappiness. Um, I think that because of social media and what women see in their new expectation of men, the normal guy that has a normal job that's um, doing his best and could probably be a good father might not get an opportunity to get love and affection from the beautiful girl next door. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I think that both could possibly lose that girl ends up sad or she ends up having a bunch of guys that she thinks are going to commit to her that won't. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think it's expectation for both of them, but the dynamic between the two sexes are both a bit inflated on their expectation of what they'll either get from the opposite sex or themselves. And for that reason, they can never settle for what might make them happy if they were able to slow down and and really, you know, have a more realistic expectation. Yeah. You know, the world. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic answer. I think that's a great answer. And I think with, with social media, you're, people are often comparing number one, if you, you, you always have to be cautious about comparing yourself to other people in general. Yeah. Um, It's much better to compare yourself to, who you used to be than to directly compare yourself to others, especially when you're at a completely different stage. As we said before, if you're a 22 year old and you're comparing yourself to, you know, your 22 year old guy, you're comparing yourself to a 37 year old guy who's gone on and had a, you know, 15 years more of life experience and 15 years more time to become successful in various ways, then you're gonna, you're gonna trip yourself out. Just like if you're a guy who, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a, lifetime if you've been going to the gym right and you're comparing yourself to dudes who are on huge cocktails of steroids and drugs and you're comparing your physique to them guys who are training for you know they've spent thousands of hours in the gym they've spent thousands and thousands and hours on all sorts of drugs and whatever and you're trying to directly compare your physique to them then you're gonna you're gonna psych yourself out you're gonna psych yourself out and i think also people don't understand that you're really looking at a highlight reel for everybody Right. People on yeah. Instagram, t- Instagram, especially right on Twitter, you see the worst of people. But on Instagram, <laughs> on Insta, <laughs> on Instagram, you're typically seeing a highlight reel that's very heavily filtered, literally and metaphorically. Um, and you're not really seeing what's going on in people's lives, let alone what's going on in their head, what's going in, on in their heart. There's all sorts of people. And, you know, we both know this who are on the surface. They look, you know, maybe they are successful and on the surface, they look like they're living wonderful lives but they're man they've got some severe demons they've got their addictions they've got their problems in their relationships they've got their health issues physically mentally all this kind of stuff all this burden same goes with celebrities whether it's micro celebrities macro celebrities so whenever you someone finds themselves comparing themselves to someone else's life i just urge them to be to be cautious about that for multiple reasons because I think it can really be a trap. And I think that young people in particular, as you said, are prone to fall into, I think the younger you are, the harder it is to separate reality and the depth of reality from entertainment or imagery. I think you just see something and you're like, oh, wow, I want that. I want that person's life. And it's like, well, do you really? Do you want everything that comes with that? Because if you, if you knew what really came with it, there's a good chance that you may not. So be inspired by it, but don't let it discourage you. If anything, you know, let it motivate you, let it encourage you. Right. 
it's good to have aspirations, but don't think that you'd necessarily want to trade life, trade a life with someone because that would mean you have to trade, trade, trade all aspects. Trade it all. Trade it all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's expenses that come with, with revenue. Yes. You know, and not everything's a net profit. So if all they're showing you is revenue and you don't understand the expenses that come with that revenue, mm. then you might be looking at someone that has a business that you want nothing to do with. And that's why they call it getting in people's business. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think you're dead on with that, man. And I think not enough young people uh, are able to hear from, you know, someone like you who has a calm composure that's been through life and is probably, you know, you're big, man, but you should probably be a lot bigger because... Working on it, man. Working on it. Well, and, and, I, and look, I feel the same way for myself. Is like, I'm not going to be overly loud and obnoxious to get the attention of a kid that's, if I'm being completely honest, might, might not understand me or hear what I have to say if I'm knocked them over the head with it. You know, um, a lot of the people that are doing the entertainment on YouTube um, that are being overly loud and overly, um, let's say, abrasive in some ways uh, outside of Andrew, because Andrew's who he says he is. But there's some other people out there um, that are like way louder than him. And I don't I don't particularly think that those individuals have had the life experience you know, to really be given a young man advice. But unfortunately, it's the loudest person that gets heard and followed. And I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is that I wish there were some more level-headed advice on the internet from guys that have really gone through it. Because currently at this time, I think we're in this weird stage of the internet where you don't have to prove you're a millionaire to say you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love for there to be some like regulations where you have to submit bank statements. Not really. I really would. I think there'd be a lot less people on the internet talking shit. I really do. 21 CEO university. Shut the freak. Shut the freak <laughs> up, bro. I'm doing good, huh? You're doing well, man. You're doing I'm well. doing good. I have big respect, man. So I'm trying my best. Um, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, there, there's way too many of these people that get rich off of saying they're rich. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's a broken model. And I think we'll look back at this and be like, wow, Glad we, I think there'll be regulations on it one day. I think we're really in the wild, wild west of making and selling business content for mm -hmm. sure. Our life content even with, from people that really just, they can LARP their whole way through it. Yes. You know? So, yeah. uh, I, I see that a lot. Um, I like to believe that I'm friends with the people that are real in real life. Mm -hmm. You being one of them, uh, obviously, Sterling and Andrew and Tristan, I feel that way about. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think there's too much of it going on. And I, and I wish that there was more people that were calm and intelligently giving advice. And I wish that could be heard um, because I think that's probably what, you know, any young kid needs more than, more than uh, anything else. I hear that, man. Well, there's, there's an absolute hunger for it. Um, yeah. We've both been traveling the world a lot and I'm sure just like I get, you get people who recognize you, come up to you, are grateful, yeah. are thankful. You can see, you can see that the hunger for it, man. And you know, millions of people are listening, and millions of people are paying attention. 
it might not be as much as, you know, there might not be as many people eating the steak as they're eating the fast food. But I think over the course of time, the, the truth and the real will prevail. And I think that that's yeah. already, it's already happening, man. I see the tide turning. I think that what you're doing is incredibly important. I think that having lots of different messengers and leaders, people with different perspectives, different experiences, different personalities, to me, that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm very cautious of, look, everyone's going to have their criticisms of everybody. I get my criticisms. You get your criticisms. Yeah. I, I just had Andrew on my podcast recently. He gets many of his criticisms, but I'm yeah. like, look, anyone who's out there putting in a sincere effort and having sincere results in moving the needle in a positive way towards truth, encouraging young people to think for themselves and to be better physically, mentally, build themselves up, work, get their life in order. Um, anyone who's doing that, man, I'm, I'm going to give them props. I'm not going to be absolutely, I'm not going to be ridiculously critical, let alone insulting of anyone who I think is moving the needle in a positive direction. And I think that's, that's something that people are missing. There's this idea you need to be 1000% aligned and completely on board with every single thing a person says and does and has ever done in order to get some value or in order to support them. And I just think that if people think that way, then that's how you're just going to get the, the degeneracy and the foolishness completely winning. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're dead on with that for sure. I appreciate it, bro. Justin, before we close out, where can people find and follow you online? Sure. You can find me on YouTube, Jay Waller. You can find me on Instagram at jwaller7. Join my email list. And you can find me on Twitter at waller 7 J, which um, I should be posting to a lot more. You'd be, you'd be upset with me. I need to get back on it. So. <laughs> no doubt, Justin. I really appreciate your time, bro. Thanks for coming on, man. I love you. Absolutely. Thanks, Uvi. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand. Stunt me and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.